0: Being a mom is the toughest job there is, and it doesn't come with instructions. So, it's okay if you don't have all the answers. We'll figure it out together. This is Mom
1: Brain with Hilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Hey guys, welcome back to Mom Brain. I'm Daphne.
2: And I'm Ilaria.
1: And today we're going to be chatting with Christine Barbaric. She is not only a brand new mommy to beautiful Rafaela, who she calls Rafi. Um, she's also the co-founder of Refinery29, I'm sure a site you guys, like both of us, are on all the time. Um, and we're going to chat today about a topic we've heard from a lot of you that you want to talk about and hear about. Um, it's a little bit painful, obviously, but it's something that I think so many moms have gone through. We're going to talk about miscarriage. We're going to talk about fertility. We're going to talk about struggling through that going again and again, and then um, baby after miscarriage and what that looks like Um, and we'll also be talking about fashion and favorite things and and other cool things that you'd obviously want to talk to Christine about so let's hear from Christine we like to let people introduce themselves here because you know yourself better than anyone so please go ahead and tell the world all about Christine Barbaric. Right now? Yeah. In this
0: moment? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Your little intro. <laughs> oh, well, my name is Christine Barbrick. I'm the global editor-in-chief and co-founder of Refinery29. I'm a writer. I'm an editor. Um, I'm a wife and a mother and a true friend. And um, what else do you want to know? I love vintage clothing. Um I'm constantly cleaning my closet. If you're wondering what I'm doing on a Saturday, I'm probably, (laughs) well, these days, I don't really have that much time. But, you know, honestly, like just rotating things out of my closet is just, you know, it's become an obsession because we have a small space. You know, I think when you live in New York City, it's like you're short on space. So just making everything as efficient as possible is really, is really kind of meditative for me.
1: Yay, good. Well, I'm so excited. I'm sorry that, I'm sorry that we're not, more in sweatpants and more in just like the, no. the mom brain moment that we all that we all I live think in most a cliche. of the time. Really? I no, yes, So actually I do. something I was when when um well something I immediately wanted to talk to you about was uh how you have navigated as a new mom and rafael is how old now five months almost? she's
0: almost three months she's almost three like a, months. yeah a week away from three months you
1: just seem so sane and collected i figured she was it's, a, it's, it's an illusion it's an <laughs> illusion yes uh, well you do it very well uh, transitioning into new motherhood um it's a trap. she'd see it's me flailing on the floor at home literally like like a fish <laughs> It's crazy. Is that is that the kind of like bodily therapy that we are going through now?
0: I think it's really like, it's a shock to the system. I was, even though I've been like trying for such a long time to have a baby, it's like, she's finally here and she's wonderful. And I feel so lucky that she's, she's healthy and she's adorable and a delight, but it is really, it's really an extreme sort of shift in your identity and everything and it's just like I was not prepared for that at all.
2: Isn't it funny because you, you know I saw you how many weeks before you had your baby? I
0: literally I think I was in she the hospital. Uh, no I was in the hospital like two weeks later. It was crazy. <laughs> it was like
2: right before and you felt I, I felt like you were like learning everything. You were like I am going to be prepared yet you had this fear of like oh God what do I do um, and I, f- I mean I'm watching you on Instagram and I feel like you're taking to it. Is it all just Instagram ish?
0: No, I don't I'm actually feel like I'm really honest on Instagram, or at least I try to be. I think that, you know, I've been very we've talked about this, I've been very honest, um, and transparent about my my struggles, you know, getting to this place and becoming a mom and um and I think a lot of there was obviously a lot of um stigma attached to infertility and, you know, people that having having, you know, Different kinds of challenges with starting a family, and how to start a family. There's obviously lots of different um, routes to doing that these days. But, you know, your family goes through a lot when you go through that. And I think that finally being pregnant, it was just a, it was such a revelation. Like every day was just this, you know, blessing. But then you get to the point where you're getting so big, you're like, What's going to (laughs) happen? Like now you're like feeling the baby moving a lot. You're like trying to one. you're like actually thinking about the physics of everything. You're like, how is the baby going to get out? It's like you really- Don't think about the physics. Do not ever, ever think about about the physics. No, it's like, (laughs) I remember thinking like, you know, it doesn't seem like it's going, and you obviously made it seem so, so um, I wouldn't say easy, but- doable manageable. and like it's yeah manageable, manageable. Mm-hmm. and i think that and like, all your births were different and i think you you know honestly your 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 willingness to share all that was so helpful and um which is one of the reasons why i wanted you on my podcast because i really did want you to be my my personal birthing guru um because i was terrified and it ended up not being anything like i hoped it would be i had a playlist i had a doula oh. i had an outfit none of it happened it was just like but you all, have a perfect baby I have a perfect... Well, you know, it remains to be seen. She's perfect in her own way, yes. I think perfection is over it. Well, but it's always you know, that, way. It's the, that way. The
1: birth plan is such a funny construct because... Prepared or not, and it sounds like you did. You did the birthing classes, and you thought about, you know, I'm gonna. I have wanted a my, nice robe. My, I literally
0: was. <laughs> I, I wanted to go robe shopping because I really imagined myself like being, you know, in this great robe. And I was just like, I just remember thinking like that was going to be my Instagram moment. It was just like so, like the opposite of. But that. I think that's part, was in the part ratty, of the like is that robe. that's
2: part of the nesting thing. Like I remember when, so Carmen's my first, and I remember when I was super pregnant with her they um did a scan and they're like she has hair which is like the biggest joke in the world because all my babies are bald they're like but she has hair (laughs) and i started obsessing that i needed to get clips for her and i'm like tears i didn't manage to have clips on my list and so i she's not going to be able to see the hair is going to be in front of her face comes up bald 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 (laughs) so i make this trek i just worry about a low
0: hairline you know, like babies like a low hairline, <laughs> but I make this it's like, whole it's like trek blending with their eyebrows. all eyebrow. the way
2: to a Babies R Us. This is before I knew about Amazon because I'm like way behind on everything. I go up to Babies R Us. I'm like stopping every block. It's like August heat in the city, but I got those clips and those clips got used when she was two years old. Yeah, and she finally grew hair. <laughs> I think it's just it's a nesting thing. You like you obsess about all these different things, and I think that you obsess about these things so that the time passes. Well, it's something to put your stress into exactly. because you can't do anything.
1: Here to help this along, and <laughs> this it is, is the longest ninth way. month of your life. But I didn't get no, to nine
2: didn't. months. How many? Though. Now, how many weeks oh, were that's you? Right. That's right. I was. Right.
0: I was just about seven weeks early.
2: Okay. Yeah. So that's that's thirty uh, three. Thirty three weeks. You were yeah. thirty three weeks. Was that uh, like? How did that happen? Was it a shock to you? Well, was can you, you can what? we go back and yeah. go? Can you go through? Yes. Go through your story with um with not. You know, I mean, we don't have you guys to start. Didn't
0: prepare. There's no Kleenex around. This oh is totally going to be. But it has you know, a happy ending, so we're all we're all very. It's a it's a work in progress. Um, yeah. So I've been trying to. I had been trying to have a baby since, for the past nine years. I had many miscarriages, um, seven, and Raf, Rafi, my daughter, is is my eighth pregnancy, which is like uh. really amazing. And honestly, you know, when I started to write about my experiences which was really um it started out as an outlet for me just to feel like myself again because you become so wrapped up in this pursuit of starting a family Mm -hmm. and you become just um unrecognizable at least i was to myself i just you you don't you start to not think about the money. You start to not think about the the medical sort of interventions, and you know the compromises you're going to make health wise, and the time, and and you know the strain it takes on your on your relationship. And it's just really, you know, the things that families go through when they experience these kinds of struggles. They're really enormous, and. Um, I have so much compassion and so much, you know, sort of um, just respect for families that do that. I mean, when I started writing about it publicly, I couldn't believe some of the, you know, mothers and fathers and, and, you know, sort of men and women that were, you know, in the process of trying to start families and would write to me about, you know, having like 14 miscarriages. I mean, having gone through IVF like 11 times, 12 times, it was just so hard, you know, but to know that you're part of this community of people that, you know, you're not alone because I think that that's the hardest thing is that a lot of people see, you know, people like the two of you, you know, having children. Well, they see the happy parts. They see the happy yeah. parts. You know, they see the fertility. They see the the joy. And um, and this is not a judgment on either of you at all, but I think that that's just more the norm, you know, that you mm-hmm. see and it's what you're looking for too. You know, I think that you're seeing everyone else having success and you just feel like the only person Person that's struggling and it was just such a relief to know that I wasn't
1: it's also so hard I found in my own life to share while you're in this struggle most people will share after they've achieved yeah. some kind of success that was one of the first things I wrote about it's hard because you're like okay yeah you struggled but now you're good like you're you're you don't understand what I'm going through and it's it is so poignant and powerful and vulnerable that like that you'd be willing to go that deep for people it's really impressive and I
0: felt like the thing it was funny, a woman wrote to me, and she said that she had become you know personally sort of just every time Angelina Jolie would announce one of her pregnancies, she would just feel devastated and you feel guilty because you it's not it's not as though you don't want other people to have joy and success and and um you know, in their in their sort of you know wish to expand their families, but you know it was so hard for me to to feel like no celebrities would ever talk about like having miscarriages. And they're really the ones with the biggest platforms and they would only talk about it like I had one miscarriage right. and they would only talk about it after they had a healthy child. And I think so many people are in the middle And they're still sort of, you know, moving towards the light. And I think it's just, it's so important that more people, if they feel comfortable, you know, talking about their experiences, because there's so many, there's just so much latitude, um, to be able to share it. Because I think that there's a lot of options out there, too. And to be able to share what worked for me with other people, I mean, it was a matter of finding like the fourth doctor, you know, or the fifth doctor, the fourth or fifth doctor, you know, that finally felt like he understood
1: my body, you know, my my chemistry, how well, it was so going to work for me. The yeah, things that, The things that don't turn on or do turn on Or I remember family members of mine, um, there was like an antibiotic. There was a whole thing where her body was rejecting her husband's sperm and this whole thing. And it was like such a novel, one-off thing that just happened to be discovered because of one doctor she went to. Um, but it changed her whole life, obviously. I, I find it so amazing and interesting that you went back to your training to your journalism as a way to kind of harness this and make it you you said to rediscover yourself to get back to like a point of sanity where you could I just needed to remember who I was
0: because I'd become so detached and I'd become I'd become the the sort of like this this obstacle of trying to have a child and I just I hated every morning when I woke up, I would think about okay, what am I going to do today? And looking at my to-do list, and it was always things having to do with reaching out to the doctor. Did I get that test done? Did I follow up on the blood work? You know, did I did I go to pick up my prescription, my you know, one hundred and eighth prescription? It was just like so, and you know, also being the the global editor in chief of a of a women's oh, right. media that, company It's just <laughs> <Little> like <laughs> you know, to, be, to continue to be there for people that needed me at work and my husband That's and my family and it was just difficult and I think that the people that knew how hard I was trying to just be there and be you know and show up and and still be you know do fulfill the things that I needed to fulfill um while moving along on this journey and um you know, it was, it's, it's, it's absolutely a miracle. I mean, I still can't even believe when I wake up every morning, I look at her, I'm like, who are you? Oh, I'm
2: like, I can't believe that you're here. It's, it's, like, like, a, it's like, like, it's like a holiday, a present every day, no? When it you literally up, yeah. is. It's
0: like, an, and she looks just like those crazy, you know, you know, the imagery that, you know, the, when you get yeah, like, the the, the three oh, yeah, like the 3D, the one. 3D one. picture, oh, no. she looks so exactly cute. like her 3D oh, that's picture. So so
2: wild. Yeah. Now for, you know, so I've had, I've had three miscarriages too. Um, and it, they were very early on. Um, and I have obviously had four, you know, children. So it, it makes it easier, easier to talk about because, you know, I, I have my I have my little babies. Um, but one of the things I find is those first three months, because those are the first three months that are very nerve wracking. We talk about secrecy. You know, I always think like if I had another if I had another one, maybe I would tell people right away. Like, why are we hiding it? Why do you have to have this? You know these twelve weeks because yeah. there's
0: so much shame mm-hmm. attached to the failure of a pregnancy, and it's just so awful. It's like it's like you feel bad enough yourself, and then to feel like people feel sorry for you. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I wrote about that a bit in the first essay that I had that I had done um, about. I didn't know how cautious you had to be in the first trimester. Mm-hmm. I was just really arrogant and cocky, you know, the first time I got pregnant and I was telling lots of people, you know, when I was eight weeks pregnant, I thought that, you know, there's no, it, that won't happen to me. Right. And, you know, little did I know that that was going to become, you know, a, a really powerful theme in my life. And
2: that feeling of having to keep it from everyone. So was your first one, because, because Rafi was IVF, right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, was your first one with IVF, or was that? And it was not no, getting pregnant no. Actually? I oh, okay.
0: I was really getting pregnant was was wasn't the challenge for me. It was staying pregnant, right? Yeah, it was like every time going and in. What, for What
2: and what week approximately would you? Always the
0: same. It was the seventh or eighth the seventh week. Seventh or eighth would, week. Yeah, I would go in. It was when I would go in to see the heartbeat, right. and there was and there would be no heartbeat. Got That's it. literally the most devastating thing. And anybody that that listens to your podcast, you know, that has been there, it mm-hmm. is. It's awful. It's tough. It's heart wrenching. That's the thing that makes me cry because it's like everybody in the room. You're literally consuming everyone's disappointment. You feel the nurses, the doctor, your husband. It's like, and then, you know, everybody that you did confide in that knew that you were going to get, you know, to go for that appointment. And then you have to wait before you decide what you're going to do. Are you going to get a DNC? Or are you going to wait for the pregnancy so to, to just sort of pass, you yeah. know, pass on its own? And
2: Do you regret telling those people? at No, weeks? I mean, I don't
0: have any regrets. I mean, I think that I, I don't, you know, I think that, um, I think that I think I had these experiences, you know, for a reason to help to open up a dialogue, you know, that women can share mm-hmm. this, you know, in our successes and, and when things don't turn out exactly the way that we hope that they will but i think that it does make you i think that some people may have stopped trying i felt really um grounded in my in my pregnancy because i knew how much i wanted her mm-hmm. you know she was a she was very very wanted and i didn't have any doubts you know, I had doubts after she was born, for sure. You know, I think it's that scary. that's another thing that nobody <laughs> talks about. Yeah. yeah. After the baby comes, you're like, oh, my God, what if I'm not good at this? What if I don't like what if I don't enjoy it? What if I'm not like like you're sort of like at a distance when there's sort of this yeah. there's still this organism. And you're like, who are you? Like, what do you like? What do you need? And it's just like it's
1: really scary. Um, not dissimilarly from pregnancy, actually, because I think. I, interestingly, uh, what you just described about because I I had miscarriages in between each of my pregnancies, and it was it I'm was sorry exactly for both that. of you. Well, it's really, it's but tough. I love this because I think this is what it doesn't almost, make it any easier though. Um, it doesn't. It, it does not. And what what I always was kind of um, taken aback by was uh, certainly, especially the first time it happened was how attached I'd gotten. And I didn't, I never saw a heartbeat. I was exactly like you. It was, it was, I went in and you could palpably feel from everyone in that room. They're looking in there, they're with the sonogram, looking around, looking around, looking around. And they're like, I just, I don't see a heartbeat. And it's the most horrific. Even just hearing you say it right now is just like, it just, it just breaks my heart. It's just so hard. And you can't imagine being that attached to something that like you, it's weird because you projected into the future this is my life you know nine months from now I will be here and and it's ripped away from you and it's hor- and you're so attached already at that point but what I was just thinking from you was we have a lot of expectations around pregnancy and around what that would look like and feel like and even to your point of showing up in the robe at the hospital and having this great picture and what the what the aftermath of pregnancy looks like we also are sold a bill of goods about sometimes of like the immediate connection you'll feel to your baby and the knowledge of just the intuitive nature of motherhood and all this stuff and i felt like when i had my first baby i felt so um i had maybe one friend who'd had a baby at that point larry and i didn't know each other when we first gave birth um and I felt totally isolated. I felt like the mothers that I knew were many years removed from early motherhood. So they had kind of rose colored glasses around it. Um, I, I did not feel that immediate sense of like knowledge and knowing. Um, I didn't feel the immediate understanding of the identity crisis and shift that I was going to go through. And um, and I do think that I love that you see your journey to parenthood as an opportunity to inspire that conversation around getting pregnant and being pregnant. And that probably, I think now, it will continue into what it means to be a mother and how um, how much more richly different than <laughs> what you're told it's going to be like that can be. You're going,
2: um, you're going to be a very conscientious mother. It seems like you are already. I mean, and it's just inspiring. Anybody who who faces suffering in their lives and decides to do so consciously and to learn from it and learn from it so you can help other people. is just, I mean, it's, we're very lucky to have you.
1: What was it like being pregnant after all of that, getting to feel the heartbeat and feel the kicks and all of that? What was that for you?
0: I think it was one of the reasons why I was so drawn to Ilaria and why I wanted to talk with her on my podcast, because I think that there was something that I just got from her from seeing your posts on Instagram, you know, not knowing you personally or really much about you personally. And there was just a relaxed, you know, kind of just vibe about you. And that's what I needed more of because I was just like this all the time, like super tense, like scared. I mean, I did not take any day for granted when I was pregnant. I felt at any moment it could be taken away from me. I was like not I was I was trying to really be confident and and peaceful in in the in the the sort of assuredness of this pregnancy and my doctor kept telling me you're good you're good my husband would have to remind me he's like this one's sticking but I even like into the third trimester I was so afraid and I you know have had you know really like gut wrenching conversations with mothers that have you know had late term you know late term miscarriages and stillborn babies, and I mean, just, I thought of every, I considered every conceivable nightmare, you know, that could have happened, and what I would, how I would you know, confront that, and if I would be able to recover, because you really, once you're that pregnant, when you feel the baby moving, and you see pictures of them, you see their face, it's like, you really can't imagine not making it to the other side, it's just, and and to all the the families out there that have gone through that, I just you know, my, my heart is with you, but it's, um, so I think that it was a really tense time. It was not, you know, I love dressing up being pregnant. I actually have to say it was really fun just wearing like crazy things. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I did this one story and, and, would take a picture of me wearing something and then lucille ball because remember when she was pregnant <laughs> oh. in the loose Lu- in the isle in of lucy was so funny she was... just wore everything in a triangle <laughs> it was just like really like there was no like trying to disguise a pregnancy back then you just wore you know sort Houses. of like <laughs> like little like yeah like tent dresses and she just looked amazing and um i just really loved him Like I was somebody that really embraced, you know, the changing of my body and, you know, gaining weight didn't bother me. But, you know, it was up until the end. I ended up getting preeclampsia. So I had a lot of swelling and that was why I had to, um, I had to deliver Rafi. So it wasn't, she didn't really want, she wasn't, she had no problems. She didn't need to come out. She didn't want to come out. She was Really upset when she came out, no. she was screaming her head off, and um, so I felt a little I felt a lot of guilt because of that too. you know that I had to disrupt this you know beautiful pregnancy that she was having and she, you know she spent four weeks in the NICU, which was another whole heart, education. Really my husband calls my my experience the trilogy, and he really feels like I need to start writing about that because another thing i don't think any parent is prepared for is being in the NICU and i the lactation room was right by the most, I, I, I guess, the most severe part of the NICU where yeah. the really, like, the, the really little, tiny little babies, you know, 18 weeks, 22 weeks, 28 weeks. Um, it's just, they would have these nurses, but there was such an incredible operation there. I have so much appreciation and regard for the people that work in the NICU because, um, they just they just hold it together, you yeah. know for the parents and for you know for the for the babies I mean, and I'm being on the other side of it and knowing that that's what happened to Rafi, you know, and the head of the NICU came and told me what was going to happen. He told me not to be upset or to worry if they when they brought her out, if she wasn't crying, that it didn't mean anything and um, you know, I saw the bassinet you know or or the um the Little table. What do you call it? The the incubator. um, The incubator waiting for her, and it was (laughs) just—but I had this playlist, so I had this playlist. (laughs) At least you got to use your playlist. I really wanted—so—but they didn't have—I had planned on bringing in, like, you know, a Bose speaker and everything. I wanted everyone to be sort of, like, embracing this music, and I had this playlist, and I had— I can't even believe this. Like, how did Journeys Don't Stop Believe and, end up say, on, this well, on this playlist? Are we like Guns and Roses? Are we no, no, it's a really cool like... playlist. And then I was just like, they. So I all I could play it was on my phone up by my ear, and only like me and my husband and, the, and like one of the doctors could. Don't stop. Yeah, really. So it was so funny, and I'm just like, I'm like here. He's telling me that he's starting to pull the baby out, and I'm like, no, I gotta get a good song oh, on. And I'm sorry, literally
2: I'm
1: seriously,
0: and and then all of a sudden it's like. It's like Steve Perry, just a small town go. Oh, no. And I'm like, oh my God, my daughter's being this born is to her. journey. She's wrapping. <laughs> She's coming yeah. now. And that was it. And you know, and then they took her off. But you know, fast forward to being in the NICU and seeing them rushing in these incubators oh, and saying, We've got a 25 weeker. And then everybody would just sort of, you know, clamor and have a job to do. And I would see these parents like holding vigil. Every day, night and day, you know, just like I was, and mm-hmm. with my husband, and you just, you know, you just get through it. And How it's, big was she? She was four pounds six ounces. Okay, so
2: not not, yeah. not too too tiny.
0: She wasn't too tiny. She had just had a growth scan the week before, and she was. They said she was about four pounds twelve ounces. So I remember us. We were all feeling pretty confident that even though she was going to have to be delivered early, that she wasn't going to be that small. Yeah. And then when she was born at four pounds. You they know, foreign change. Over, they always
2: overestimate.
0: Yeah, they do. And then she lost a little bit of weight, mm-hmm, so she always... went to like three nine. Oh, that's little. But she was so skinny and so long, and and just like such a beauty. Even though when she even when she's she was really teeny cute. tiny, cute. Yeah. she's really cute. I know. Cute. Thank you.
2: My uh, my Rafa was in the NICU. So I also have, I have a Raphael. Yeah, no, I know. And he was in the NICU because he was born 35 weeks, six days, Mm -hmm. um, but he was six pounds, seven ounces. And I remember they, you know, he came out and he came out blue. He had the cord around his neck. Actually, I had two babies with cords around the neck. Um, And they put him on my chest and he wasn't breathing. Um, He was kind of, he was trying to breathe and he was like purple. And so they took him away um, and... And then eventually brought him back and he was he was sleeping. They're like, you know, we need to put a tube down his throat and stuff like that. And then they sent me up to my room to rest. And I was literally like this with my my arms crossed and I was up there. I was like, I'm not okay right now. This was not how it was supposed to be. Yeah. And finally after like two hours, they let me come down and he was like all with the the tube down his throat and gauze around him. Oh, it was so tough. And then and I started to cry. I mean, as as you do, and this is just was not this was not the plan. And then I looked around at the other incubators, and I saw these teeny, teeny, tiny babies. And then I looked at my chubby baby, and I was like, "Okay, He's Ilaria, really okay. Ilaria, you need to calm down a little bit." I had a little conversation with myself, and it was still—I mean, it was still hard. And he wasn't—he was only in NICU for three days, so I—and it was a very different thing. But it was that amazing experience of going in there and these nurses that you talk about and how they are just you know they go and they flip the babies every so you know, 30 minutes and they're very very kind and they really understand everything that that we're going i feel through. like that's the lesson
1: of parenthood though is like what plan you know i mean it's it's <laughs> yeah. this was not the plan Literally. Literally. but that is that <laughs> it's it's funny i i feel like i there's so much i want to talk about with what to bring to the hospital and what was in my bag because you, you made me think of a funny story there with with my first and also with what it means to be more and more comfortable with the inevitable difference in each of your children. Like like my first birth was not at all what I'd expected, not at all what I planned I will I will never forget. We rolled up to. um I, I don't know why. I, I, I over prepare for everything else in my life. But with my first pregnancy, I didn't, you know, go to a Lamaze class. I didn't do a birthing thing. I didn't, you know, know what I was supposed to be preparing for. I thought I just needed a lot of pillows. I, so I literally had my husband. I'm not I'm kidding telling you, you. the nesting
2: obsession. He's like, I
1: have must have lots of pillows. I, had, I don't know. He, so he, you know, he's a big guy. I had him carrying like four bags, huge bags of pillows and a comforter. Cause, you know, those hospitals, they are not very comfortable. They're I don't not. know. You're absolutely right. I don't know why. I got I black
2: thought. sheets one time around. Black I got sheets? black sheets and Ooh. a black rope because you bleed afterwards. I know. And so That's I was true. like, That's I was smart. On part. The I to them. But they can't bleach them. Then. What? what?
0: It's like you're at the hairdresser. <laughs> a little you nylon.
1: Know, give you, like, the black black, yes, yes, yeah. you're, yes.
2: You're absolutely right. And then I wanted to put the black sheets at, at home, and Alec was like. No, no, he's <laughs> like a goth. No, no. Oh, really? I he's, feel like Alec would like some black silk no, sheets. I feel he, like no, 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 he's all into the florals. It's very no. surprising. He's a Laura <laughs> Ashley. Stop it! <laughs> oh he was like shabby i <laughs> like, I must have my black sheets because everything has to be super, super clean and my hilarious. house. That's hilarious. He's um, a, he's, a, he's very surprising. You know what? I wanna I wanna go back to if it's okay because. You know, we're talking about miscarriage. And then, you know, yes, there is this community and it's becoming, I don't want to say that it's in to talk about it, but it's becoming accepted and less stigmatized about, you know, miscarriages and just having difficulty getting pregnant. And people like you um, are being brave and coming forward and being like, hey, this is my story and I want to help you. But when you're alone and you're just like, okay, great, I got my community. But then you have to go, for example, you have to go to pee. And I remember that would always be, like, in the first three months especially, like, okay, got to pee. And then you look at—I mean, this is graphic, but you look at the toilet paper. Is there blood or is there not blood kind of thing? How did you, you mean when find, you're pregnant? When you're pregnant. Oh, yeah. How do you find— Peeing becomes
0: like Peeing is literally, stressful. it's, it's you traumatizing. You have to do it all the time
2: and it's traumatizing. Yeah. It's a whole com- complicated thing. But how do you get into those moments where, you know, I am alone. I don't have my community around me necessarily. And how do I calm down? How do I do some self-soothing, self, self-care self in those moments so that it's just not every day is a struggle? Or do you think that every day is just going to be a struggle during if you have difficulty with pregnancy?
0: I think that, well, first of all,
2: I think that it's, most people are
0: not immune to struggle in pregnancies. I've actually heard so many stories about, you know, women that have had no problems, you know, having their first child and then spent, you know, the same amount of time trying to have a second child. And and I remember always thinking like, you know, you're so greedy. It's like you already have a kid. Mm -hmm. Like, why are you? But it doesn't matter. It's like when you have the desire and you really feel like this is what I want our family to be, you know, it, it becomes hard to let go of or to, you know, pivot on that. But I think the thing that, the only thing that helped me um, when I felt really, really um, just despondent and just, you know, like I almost like I couldn't move because I would become so scared. There were days when I would have, you you know what it's like when you have a little cramping. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And you're just like, oh my God, is this the beginning of a miscarriage? It's mm-hmm. just like you just, Become it's and then and, and and you can't actually stress yourself out because that actually makes it worse, and I just remember my doctor telling me, um, no, it wasn't my doctor. It was a it was a a woman. She was like a social worker, um, or like a psychotherapist, um, but she had that kind of background. And I met with her at a friend's urging after like my third or fourth miscarriage, and she told me. Um, and I don't mean this in a in a sort of super religious way, but she said it to me and it really resonated with me. She said that every, get your Kleenex out, she said that every baby is three souls coming around a table and making a decision together and that it, it wasn't just me, you know, and that there were like other people that were involved in bringing this person, you know, to life. And... So when I would be in those moments where it was just me and my belly and my doubts and my fear that I was doing everything wrong and I was basically going to create a miscarriage, I just would remind myself, like, she has a will to live. You know, she's this is she is a person, you know, she's she's either going to, you know, have, you know, this life or she won't, you know, and. And it just made me feel a little bit better. Like, so I would just talk to her and just like, you know, kind of tell her how much I wanted to meet her and how I couldn't wait to, you know, um, do things with her. And it just helped a lot to sort of almost kind of remove myself a little bit from it and almost make it like it was a conversation between us. But I think everybody has to kind of resolve it themselves because it doesn't it doesn't get easier. I almost my husband. It was so funny um, Because then you start to think about when you do IVF, you start to think about if you are lucky enough to have embryos, you know, left. It's like, what do you do with them? So my husband's like, you know, already,
1: you know, he's He's ready for it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Would you do it again? You want to do it again, you think? I think if I did it again, I
0: would try and find a gestational carrier. I don't I don't know that I'm really cut out for. I loved being pregnant, but I think the stress of just like of everything that happened towards the end with the NICU and everything. I don't know that I could do that again. But um, yeah, but I think that I think that maybe I don't know. We'll see. I just but want to get through the beginning of Rafi first. Well, you're <laughs> right. Yeah, three months in three is months like very much at thinking,
1: the. Maybe. It was. It's deeply challenging um, because they're up all the time. You have those cluster feeds. You have the. They're still kind of in a different world and especially I know she was born early some part of you is like well you would you would have just come out of the body like a month ago you know and and... I sent a video to Laria so cute because
0: that was one of the first videos the first like moments of her sort of like coming like awakening in the world it's like she's kind of looking around and smiling and sort of like you can see her reacting to things she's just starting to recognize me like when she hears my voice she turns and it's really like that's the thing that that you that you connect to because she's a person. You know, it's not just that she's my baby; it's she, that she's yeah. a person. She's her
2: own little person. Yeah. You know, my mother when I was pregnant with Carmen, and I would get those cramps, and I get like serious implantation cramps. I mean, you feel like, how is it possible that I'm still pregnant in your yeah. hips and everything? And I remember just being so upset because then, then they tell you, don't stress. And you're like, okay, won't stress. And then you're stressing about not stressing. It's this whole like, like, really complicated thing that you get yourself into. And I remember she was telling me, she's like, this is preparing you for a lifetime of not being able to control the situation. Yeah. And this is the pregnancy and the difficulties that you have through pregnancy. Even if you have the easiest pregnancy out there, there's always a few things that are difficult that, you know, that's just teaching us parenting. It's preparing us for the next, you know, 18 years and beyond once the baby comes out. And that really, that helped me a lot. Um, and, you know, what you're going to find, and I'm sure you already are, that, you know, once they come out, there's all these decisions that you have to make for your child. And you're like, oh, God, I don't know if I have like the right degree to make these These uh, decisions for them, it's 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 scary. I think
0: you have to rely so much on your instincts, Mm -hmm. and I think that you really have to know yourself, um, and also trust yourself, which is something that I also was not prepared for because somebody else's life is at stake. You know, it isn't just about me and me taking risks and me, you know, sort of like working, you know, sort of burning the midnight oil and never not getting any sleep. It's like you really think that this other person is relying on me to be in. You know, to be healthy, to be, Alive. you know, cognizant, you know, to really be exactly, you know, to be looking after her in a super responsible way.
1: Let's talk about that, because I, I think that that's a really interesting transition for a lot of um, a lot of mothers who have like an established life before they have kids. So you've had this incredible career. You've had. Um, I you hope know, I'm still having it. You you, you not, not, to think, I'm like, still, I'm Sorry, does anyone care? The past me tense present. was up. Well, the, the past tense is the build up to the even more incredible career you have right now. But you have you have consistently been in a position of 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 power and of stress and of lots of decision making and people relying on you and you needing to trust yourself and all of those things you just spoke about. I'm curious how your motherhood experience how your parenting has what kind of perspective has it given you how has it evolved that professional christine now that the professional christine is balanced with the personal christine in a different way i think that's a lot of question in one question <laughs> but i think Discuss. discuss. i think <laughs> i think, and yeah go. Go. i
0: think i think what you mean is um you know how am i kind of um
1: How am I sort of balancing the two things now? or how? I'm I'm always curious about the balance because, look, you have a really high high pressure and high stakes job. So I'm always curious about the balance. And I would love to hear you talk about that. And I'd love to hear if you think that you've changed professionally or that you have some kind of new perspective um, now that you are a mother too.
0: Well, I would definitely say I'm much more sensitive and much more compassionate. I mean, I think that this whole experience has really made me just love other women that much more and I think that it's just when you think about when Alaria was saying what I think you said your mother said about like you have no control over Mm -hmm. the situation but when you are pregnant you really have no control over your body and I think that it's I think for women in particular because we take on so much in our lives you know we you know we are the primary caregivers um for the most part in our families and um you know, I know for myself, my husband is an incredible equal partner, but I do so much. I mean, we and, I, and I'm not a martyr about it, but I just think that we do and I'm happy to do it. Right. Um, but I think that taking on that sort of that guilt or that feeling that your body isn't working the way that you want it to. Or if you're pregnant, and you're having a difficult pregnancy and it's like you're not having this sort of. You know, chic, easygoing. Like I'm, you know, those pictures of of women on the beach in in Tulum, and they're like, you know, seven months pregnant, and and, yeah, and 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 they're just like, you know, yeah, like (laughs) it's like, it was like 33 weeks pregnant, and just like, and and it's just
1: yeah. (laughs) Too much. I just think it's like it's fine.
0: I don't want to judge, but it's just it really. There's so much of that that I think women have to contend with, and they just like shit about themselves mm-hmm. even more. So I think my biggest thing is just being easier on myself about how I transition back to work and, you know, working and writing and, and, you know, being a part of, you know, storytelling on a grand scale is really important to me. But I also feel like having Rafi has made me more creative. It's like I do feel motivated in a way mm-hmm. that I wasn't before, like I feel kind of revitalized in a way. She really has brought new life into my, into my thinking. And um, also, it's just you know, having a baby makes you so hopeful. It's like really, you feel like anything. Like and especially in my, my particular situation, I feel like anything's possible. I'm like, I did that. I'm like, I'm like. 2020, I'm like, I'm running for president, you know, it's like, <laughs> or like you feel like you can do anything because, you know, I, I feel like I got over this this enormous hurdle, but I'm sure there's going to be loads of other hurdles. You know, it's like it's not as though I'm thinking that I'm done and that, you know, she's yeah. healthy and perfect and everything's going to be great. It's like we were talking about sleep. It's like I'm I've talked to. Well, also, you know, that the the woman that wrote the book, um, 12 12 hours and 12 weeks um, Susie Giordano mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I read her book very informative um, but it's you have to have be incredibly disciplined and you know they have to be you can't start sleep training until they're nine pounds and I certainly don't want to be super militant about it but you know sleep deprivation is like no joke Mm -hmm. I mean literally no joke I mean not only do you just look at yourself in the mirror and you're like oh my god who is that
1: I look like (laughs) I I put shrouds over every mirror in my house seriously
0: I don't recognize that I know (laughs) years ago I remember a woman telling me like the most important thing to have (laughs) after you have a baby is a dimmer. <laughs> it's like literally make sure you have a dimmer in every room because you're not really going to want to see what you look like and but you're going to find okay, I'm so oh tired. Oh, but one but another oh, thing, go, no, I, go, went, go. I went I went I went for lunch recently with my friend Amanda who I love so much, Amanda Carter, and um and I was like, "Do I look tired to you?" and she was like, not that tired. <laughs> That's what she said to me. Not I was as like, tired as you are. Your true, friend, your true <sighs> friends, your true friends
2: will tell you, and you're gonna find. I, I think around the five, oh, five months. See, I month think they mark, should lie. Five I think your six months should lie. Really? No, no, no. to tell because you, you then, look great. Then, because then, when they are telling the truth, you'll, oh, you'll 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 believe them. But you know what? I find there's always something that happens at like five six months where all of a sudden you just look a little brighter just look a little, little. Really? Little. Yeah, and I'm really tired. Can I tell you, I have a baby that sleeps in my bed. I've got three other little guys who have like nightmares, doesn't want to go to sleep or like smacking each other in the middle of the night. Like it's a whole, it's a circus in my house. And and I'm really tired. But number one, you start to get accustomed to being tired. And then you just start like, you're like, wow, great. I slept for 30 minutes real.
0: You have four children. I have one. I feel like literally I am like
1: falling apart hard. at the seams. It's
2: always hard. Let me tell you something. And the first one is very difficult because it is your first one. Um, and, it rips and, the band aid. Also, yeah, it's yeah, your it's, first
1: Brazilian. Like it's like you are just going through everything, everything. all it's at hard. once. You've it's never known it before. Mm-hmm. We knew what we were getting into, and I will actually say I feel like I feel like the part of the reason it gets better and better is because you. Your expectations change like everything in life. Your expectations better match reality. Again, I, I go back to the conversation about, you know, everyone is really focused on you as the mom going through pregnancy, get, building the baby, everything. How are you feeling? Are you taking care of yourself? And then you have the baby and everyone's obviously concerned about the most adorable, delicious little bundle of joy and mom can kind of get shunted to the side a little bit and it's you're so depleted you're
0: depleted you're so
1: depleted and then and then i
0: had another girlfriend who i'm sure the two of you have have friends like this too and she was like she's like how She's like, how's that, ling- that lingering hemorrhoid too? It's like oh, every oh, person fabulous. has a lingering hemorrhoid. Oh, and she's like, she went to the doctor. She's like, when is can it going to go title away? This and he was episode, like, the lingering and he was, hemorrhoid. And he was like, and he was like, he's like, don't worry about it. He's like, just tuck it back in. Oh my god. Okay, but why can not evolution work out? Can we talk about I was
1: like, was like, it. like tuck it back in. I was like, oh my god. Evolutionarily, why why do we have to go through? that like why do we have to have it all well it's gravity disrupted <laughs> it's all it's just gravity it's Definitely, all let me gravity tell you something
2: about gravity she's
1: saying <laughs> I know gravity is not your friend when you're it's pregnant vicious. it really I isn't I remember looking at my husband when we had our first when we had Philomena and being like you're so lucky it's so it's so blank unfair we're allowed to curse but I won't. Um, because you get all the joy of being dad you get all the credit of being a parent you get all the promise of being a parent you get to be here for all of her life and you get none of the pain and agony that i have to go through it's wrong it's hard it's it's, right. a, it's a hard
0: thing to to sort of come to terms with and also when i was in the nicu um my husband was was very hands on and he would you know he would ask the nurses to help you know, teach him how to hold her mm-hmm. and everything, and literally all the nurses would just like gather around him, be like, "He's the best dad. Look at him." And I was like, "I've been here all day. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I get no no rewards." And then they would tell me they were like, "You don't know how many husbands we see if we see them at all that don't even touch their babies. And they're terrified, and they're they're terrified. Mm-hmm. It, I think in some cases, but in other cases, they just don't feel like it's their job. Yeah, and I think that you really take for granted how much." You know how much extra work so many women take on themselves and they're they do it you know willingly and happily but it is a real it takes its toll on you physically and mentally and I think the depression part I hope that the two of you are talking about that as well um because there was like a real darkness that came that I was not expecting at all after I had the baby. I felt so alone, and I felt really like because you're you're starting to learn about who you are in this new role, and also you know new babies are so confusing. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, they're they're either sleeping, you know, eating, screaming, screaming, um, you know, or just irritable and you just don't know sometimes
1: they, how to it's comfort It's like veterinary them. medicine. That's why my pediatrician said it's like taking care of an animal because they can't, they, can't, communicate. they can't communicate. And like you said, you don't have the connection with them yet. Yeah. So you're not able to guess for them what they're trying to say and you're not getting any feedback. And every day is in many ways like Groundhog Day, but it's also a completely new level in the game where you're like it, what worked yesterday is not working today and I feel totally lost. And I think the... I think that... There's a couple things that I think com- contribute to this overwhelming sense of of the lostness of that early stage of motherhood. And I think it's isolation. And I think it's the guilt around why don't I feel bliss and butterflies all the time. Yeah. Um, and I do hope That's that huge. we'll continue to have conversations Please about that. Please do.
0: Because... It was only my friends that had experienced that that I could talk to about yes. it, and they were so.
1: Are you worried they going to judge me. you for as a mother if they haven't felt that that like something's wrong with you?
0: Have either of you seen the Jane Fonda documentary? Mm-hmm. No. So it's really, really wonderful, and I have so much, so much appreciation and respect for her because she talks about you know her first daughter, or her daughter, um, and how you know she was waiting for that bond to happen and it and, and just never did. And she still struggles with that, you know, and hopefully she'll, you know, continue to, you know, strengthen that relationship she has with her daughter. But I felt like it was so brave of her and so important that she shared that publicly because I'm sure that there are so many women out there that feel tremendous guilt because they're not feeling what they think they're supposed to be feeling, which is euphoria and joy and gratitude it's, every minute of the day. It's also,
2: I think... Hard when you have the baby early because that ninth month that we talk about that you talked about earlier on There is something I mean having had one baby much earlier than than the others That last month it makes you fed up with the pregnancy like you almost when I had Rafa and he was one month early and all of a sudden I just went into labor, it was like this, like whoa, 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 all of a sudden I'm not pregnant and it's this separation. Then if the baby's in the NICU and you have to go home and your baby's not there, you have been connected, as closely connected that you ever be to another human being Mm -hmm. for the past X number of months that you were pregnant and then all of a sudden you're there, they're in the hospital and that's when you can feel really empty, exactly. That's when you feel really empty, when you just have that deep separation. And
0: also, you know, I was, I mean, this is just to be really candid, it was like wine became so important. I mean, I never, I was, you know, never really that big of a drinker and it's not as though I'm like, you know, hitting it every night. But <laughs> I have to say, it was like, I know, sorry. Um, well, now I but know I, what your favorite wine is. What? What's your, no. What's your, I, well, I, what's I mean, your... Favorite? White wine? <laughs> oh,
1: we'll, we're an open <laughs> just opportunity. I right? But, um, no, I know, right? It's screwed up. Like, matter. what are we saying? The
0: alcoholic <laughs> kind. Um, <laughs> no, because I just felt such tremendous sadness coming home from the NICU every night and having to, it was like that talk about Groundhog Day. And then, you know, I didn't miss one day at the NICU when she was there. And, and I certainly don't, you know, judge anyone that is in a similar situation. And You know, thank goodness. I feel so lucky that I didn't have to go to work. Um, and I just, you know, was at the hospital every single day but I would come home and it was just like I couldn't cook I couldn't I could barely grocery shop I just couldn't do anything other than be there and then think about her when I wasn't there yeah. and it was just so wine came in very handy and then I literally talked to all the lactation consultants there I was like how long do I have to wait after I pump you know because I was pumping I couldn't breastfeed at that point you know it was just really those are like, these are kinds of, you know, the the sort of realities that nobody talks about. Yeah. It's like, and I remember too, um, a friend of mine years ago, long before I had Rafi, um, she told me that her favorite thing to do, she had two young daughters that were like, you know, I think two and four. And I remember thinking, it, and she said it with absolute like sort of like seriousness, that her favorite thing to do twice a week, she did it on like, I don't know. Tuesdays and Thursdays was to have a Xanax and a glass of wine after the kids went to sleep. And I was like, it's so strange. I was like, why? And she's like, it just like literally she just needed like to just like tone it down a little bit. That's so but cunning. now
2: I get it now. Yeah. I, no, but now yeah. I get it. It's like, you know. I had pneumonia when I delivered my last baby. Oh my god! Was you, so, broke a, I was you broke, broke a rib. You broke ribs. It was like I was so sick, and my and the doctor told me I'd never had Dayquil and Nyquil before because I was like super namaste. And I'm like, give me some ginger, but I was so sick, and he was like, give you just need to take exactly. He <laughs> was like, you need to do Dayquil and Nyquil, and it was right after the baby was born when I like decided I was like, okay, I'm gonna try it, and Nyquil. I tried the amount for like the small amount, and it was like I was like, this is not safe. Not a safe thing, but so I n- didn't take NyQuil again. I just took DayQuil. But let me tell you something. When I'm no longer breastfeeding, pregnant in my life, when that part is done, I'm going to take a full cup of that NyQuil. Oh my it's going to Why, so for for Why can't you just Why can't you have wine? No, wine I? Is great too. I never experienced oh I, mean, like, I never did drugs. I'm like a super goody goody.
1: You know, there's a part of me thinks we should take mom brain on the road. There might be like an Ibiza <laughs> trip in our future.
2: for giggles. I mean, but that's I think um, the
0: thing that you should really consider it's not just about like I was talking to my friend Electra and I asked her I was like I was like what's the I was like also clothing is like kind of baffling after you have a
1: baby. That's what we need to talk about. Yeah, how do you contend what what are you wearing now? What are you how are you dealing with that um Clothing situation. Well, first of all, <laughs> all right. So we'll, we're
0: going to just, we're going to go there. Um, when I had um, preeclampsia, I had so much crazy swelling. I showed you my, I how used, my ankles I, you, look.
2: Let me tell you something. I, and I'm not saying this to be nice because again, I already told you the whole thing. You looked about amazing, the front thing. by the way. You looked great. You really she looked She was great, like, very, very oh, sweet. I'm so sorry about my ankles. And like, I mean, maybe because you're very like tall and thin. Maybe... So it was like in the grand scheme of things, but you looked great. All right. You well, kept on talking I about it. Have... I literally left it. I was like, I don't know what she's talking about.
0: I could show you a picture of my swollen ankles. They were,
2: they were okay. Well, from what frightening I, when I saw them, they looked fine.
0: Thank you. Well, after after, you know, you have the baby and after preeclampsia, it's like you're like a deflated balloon. It was just like I was like blah, 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 blah. It's like everything was just like literally just like totally like just like and When does that go away? It kind of like it was really scary. I was like I said to my, I said to my husband, I was like, I don't just need a facelift, I need like a whole body lift. I was like, What happened? It
1: was so scary. It's like you
0: lose like forty five pounds in like a day. It's like it was so scary and i think that you know clothes really become a salvation in a lot of ways because you just you you're starting to reacquaint yourself with your body and um and also it's just the miracle of your body too it's like you become you have such such just gratitude to your body for working and functioning you know even as a middle-aged person it's just like the how resilient i couldn't believe my body mm-hmm. was in coming back after that and um and i think that I think that fashion is just different for me now, but I also feel like there is a, for whoever's listening out there, there is such a an important white space for clothes that, you know, are sort of like post-pregnancy friendly, you know, that have a little bit more stretch to them because your body is changing so rapidly that maybe have vents, not necessarily like all flaps. Time, too. You're hot all the time that are layerable, but that you still make you feel chic. It's like, I don't want to wear leggings every day. I don't want to wear sweatpants. I wear like my Adidas track pants, like three times, you know, at least like three or four days a week with like my, you know, either these Roger Vivier, like, you know, jeweled slides or or like my glitter Birkenstocks because it's like I just don't want to wear sneakers Mm -hmm. all the time and it's like you don't quite feel like when you're on maternity leave you can really wear heels you know but I feel like I'm you know me walking around the house in heels you know with no place to go I'd feel like an idiot but (laughs) but I just think that there is like such a an important phase in your life you know in the year following you having a baby That you need things that are really hard to find. I have to go to like 18 different retailers to find those perfect things. Mm -hmm. Like one of the things I really wanted, um, and this is a great knitwear brand called Duffy, and they had this really beautiful cashmere hoodie. Like I just wanted a nice hoodie to wear underneath my big giant puffer coat because that's what I wear every day to take her for a walk because I cover her. But, you know, I didn't want to wear just like you know, a workout hoodie, you know, a sweatshirt. So there are just certain things that just make you feel like human again. They don't make you just feel like this sort of like this, this sort of facility, you know, that you're just making something, you know, that you're just this,
1: I don't know. It's little things like that that actually let you give, like, I remember getting in the shower every day because this was, it would bring the milk in and it would just like give me you know, five minutes to decompress and like reset each morning um, or whatever. It, it felt like morning to me it was probably like three. Um, <laughs> um, and I remember distinctly this like sea buckthorn body wash. And I would look forward to every 48 hours I would do this like facial scrub. And it was just that's what it is. That's what it's all about. that let you, again, feel like a real human every day. Invest in yourself a little bit every every chance that you get so that you don't start to feel like just a vessel or just a carrier. Um, yes. and actually we do something really fun here on the show which is our favorite things portion so we ask people like what are you totally obsessed with right now or what mm-hmm. is the thing that just oh, is getting yeah. you all excited and I love this Duffy sweat hooded cashmere oh I have sweatshirt. a lot of things but right yeah, now that I'm I obsessed you with might. so give us your give us your most
0: obsessed items well I have to say the the glitter Birkenstocks they're I did a post about them too because I wore them to the NICU every day and literally every day a nurse would come up to me she'd be like you know because they're kind of like nurse's shoes they're on their she feet like, all I the love time you. exactly and she was like I love your shoes you know they would just Make people happy, and um, and I wear them with socks in cold weather, and I just think they're awesome and 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 totally appropriate for everything. I wear them <laughs> with dresses, with jeans, with like you know cargo pants. Um, also, this speaking of beauty products. Um, Miranda Kerr, you know, she has this line Mm -hmm. called Cora, and um, she just made this incredible, facial. it's like a turmeric facial scrub, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you can leave it on a little bit longer, and it's almost like a mask. It kind of burns a little bit, but in a good way, and it's totally natural, and I use it like a couple of times a week, and it makes me feel like I've had a facial. It makes me feel like I've done the thing that I have no time to do. And um, so I love that, and I highly recommend it. there's also this incredible line called Bugessa. Oh. I think that's how you describe it. It's out of Dubai, but it's this wonderful woman. Um, I think her name is Faiza, and she makes these beautiful like shirt dresses like this. And um, I'm very into shirt dresses because you can layer them. You can open them up. They're easy to nurse in. Mm-hmm. Um, they still feel chic. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't want to just wear you know, button downs, but I've also just been, you know, when we're pumping in the middle of the night, I wanna have like I have a network of
1: women that I talk to that are also Isn't that your in the favorite middle of the night. When you text texting with, with
0: them me? at I, four
1: four fifteen in the morning, and you know they're gonna respond and they're gonna be funny and you're all loopy. You're like <laughs> <laughs> It's the best. It's hilarious.
0: It's like I vacillate between watching <laughs> the marvelous Mrs. Maisel
1: on my phone and then also texting with my friends. Can I give you so another funny. one? Another yeah. one that got me through my midnight pumping sessions. Yeah. Um, Jane the Virgin
2: yes oh it's, oh, it's <gasps> oh, like and it's okay. perfect, it gets like really 20 minute weird. telenovela yes.
1: hilarious yes yeah you it need that just, you need it's, it you just need to, like yes. a good laugh and it makes the milk better i think i'm like oh that's- <laughs> i think it is i think it does make the milk better yeah. it's supposed to it distracts you certainly. What, what
2: about your favorite baby what about your favorite baby product
0: my favorite baby product um oh gosh you mean things that she wears and uses um I mean, honest wipes. I mean, we've been using a ton of. Thank you, Jessica Alba. Um, also, I mean, oh my god! I'm, I know this is going to. This is This is, this is mom gonna,
2: brain. Mom is Petit mom Bateau. Oh, I have to say, yes. Petit
0: Bateau is really classic and I think affordable. And you know, because all you do all day long, nobody really tells you this, is that really all change you do onesies. is change onesies, wash, <laughs> do the laundry, eight thousand times a day. Um, and literally wash bottles and pump and, but I was gonna say something else when I'm up in the middle of the night. Um, I can't remember. Texting
1: with your friends.
0: Yeah, I know we have to go back eight steps. Where was I? Um, Jane the Virgin. No, it was marvelous watching basil. M- no, I can't remember now. Shopping online that was always dangerous. <laughs> oh, for shopping me. online! Thank you, we got <laughs> there. <I didn't laughs> we were... we got, like, got there. Where did these come from? <laughs> so I'm in, in the middle of the night, I'm searching for old Celine. Oh. I'm literally scouring every like resale site looking for old Celine. So oh, I'm like so in the good. process of collecting old Celine now because it honestly just makes me feel strong. It makes me feel strong, and I just love it. I'm very nostalgic about it. You're leaning forward. Are we are we out of time?
2: We are out of time. Okay, we are. He's out of like. Time nodding over there yeah. he's
0: like yep no, they, he's
1: would, like good yeah. cue Um,
2: but yes we, we are out of time but I think we need to continue this at I another know. at another time and we need you to tell you're well, the best tell you us. two we loved having you thank Thanks. you so much for
1: coming and being so wonderful thank you and, open. Warm and open this is
2: really really important thank
1: you thank you so thank much
2: thank you thank you for having me this is the best that was Christine Barberik. I I mean Daphne for me having her come and speak so openly and so passionately about this and really taking her struggles and her sufferings and putting them out there so that she can create a community not only to help herself, but to help other people and realizing that this is an issue that touches, I would say, probably most moms. You have some sort of either a scare or or a miscarriage. I mean, I think that most women have had some some experience with that. I love it
1: because I think that it's it, it, it brings some light out of pain. And I think that it also, that's the whole point of MomBrain. The whole point of this community is to try to take the taboo out of some of these conversations and and let everyone pull back the curtain a little bit and see that, it, you know, a lot of people make it look very easy on the surface or you think they've they've always had it easy. And so many are going through similarly challenging experiences. That is motherhood. Motherhood yeah. is, it, it breaks you down in all the same ways and it builds you up in all the same ways. And I just, I love that we get to have these conversations that just make me feel so connected to this mommy community. Well, do you
2: ever you wonder, as she was talking and she was like, you know, she was talking about her miscarriages. And then I said, you know, I've, I've had three and they were very early on, but I've, I've had three. And then I realized that, I've been so quiet about that. I mean, sure, have I told people, is it a secret? No, but it's it's not something that I was, you know, blasting from the rooftops. And there was a bit of a shame surrounding it. And so there, it's it's interesting for, to even to just check myself and check my own behavior and be like, whoa, I was kind of, you know, just keeping that to myself. And why? Mm-hmm. Why? Why do we do that? Why do we live so secretly?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know if it's always intentionally, secretly or if we try not to let it define us. And I think what's funny is actually, um, I, and when I was talking about my own miscarriages, I was saying, you know, it's, it's insane. Um, how little I'd ever talked to anyone about having a miscarriage until I had one. And then it was like, it opened the floodgates and almost every woman I knew had been had through that one. experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I was really shocked by how much it rocked me and how attached I'd become and how rattled it was, uh, how rattled I felt. But, um, But I also think that uh, that, you know, you take it in stride and and you go on from there. And I've been lucky enough to have three beautiful kids. And and I think that's what's so powerful about Christine's story, too, is like you get up and you do it again and you get up and you do it again and you get up and you do it again. And that's that's such so much the strength of mothers, you know, she's
2: a really strong soul. And you know what? I always think a woman, a woman wrote to me and and she was uh, going through a miscarriage and I. I shared that I had had three and she was blaming herself. And I said, It's nothing, it's nothing that yeah, you, you didn't did do anything wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. And even though I think she knew that, it just is nice to hear that from somebody else. And sometimes you just need to be validated or you just need to be reminded. Um, and, you know, when I just had a mom brain moment, <laughs> I really had a good point, Cal. I had a good point. No. Um, just to hear it from someone. What did else. you just say before that? um the strength of women the strength of women no gone oh well great <laughs> i'm sure it was brilliant great it was it was it was brilliant it was brilliant but it's but it's gone should um, we do our favorite great. things yes let's do our favorite things yeah now it's time for our favorite thing yes Staffing, what's your favorite thing this week so i get a lot of
1: questions particularly on instagram because i'm a big fan of doing like little food videos and hair and beauty tutorials and people know that I, I don't take it that seriously, but I like a good effect. I want a good result Um, about what I do for my hair. If I'm not going to like blow it out or curl it or whatever, cause I obviously have a lot of hair and if I just let it naturally air dry, it's kind of bone straight and just but then kinky in the back post kids and then dry and breaking in places Mine and just too. so How crazy. How do people
2: have just like, they wet their hair and it looks great? I don't understand. My daughter
1: Carmen's like that. But that's baby hair. That's like, that's <laughs> a different beast entirely. Yeah, my hair used to be nice. And then all of a sudden, you know, whatever. Anyway, so I've over the years have developed some some tricks that I think actually work for what I like which is that kind of like lived in hair. You know when you you wash your hair and one day later it's better cuz the first day it's too clean. It's like mm-hmm. too fluffy and clean. Mm-hmm. The second day it's like that's yes. the good look. Yes. So I'm always looking for that perfectly lived in hair with just a little bit of texture to it. Um soft ends, not you know dry frayed ends. And I have found this product that actually has been do- working wonders for me. So it's um by a brand called Lenore Grail. I get it on Amazon. Um, Um, It's a woman's name, Lenore Grail, um, and it's called Eclat Naturel, basically natural cream. And I take like a quarter-sized dollop, and I have a lot of hair, so I think that's probably more than you actually probably need to use. But um, I rub it between my palms, and then I scrunch it into the bottom of my hair uh, all the way around, and then right around the frame of my face. And it's this really lightweight, moisturizing texture cream kind of. Um, And then I just let it air dry, and it leaves this Again, like perfectly rumpled, slightly Mm. bedhead, but very soft, no crunch to it. Really nice fragrance, very light. Um, Because that's another thing is I don't wear a lot of fragrance, especially around the kids. It's just, it's overwhelming. And I feel like um, I don't like to have a lot of fragrance You must love sitting next
2: to me and I'm like splashing. I don't ever smell a perfume from you. You know what? I, I am a perfume person. I don't even... Really? No. Good. I'm glad because I'd feel <laughs> really bad if I was giving you a headache working it's, it's all the
1: years working in food TV. They like will not let yeah. you wear perfume because it ruins the taste. Um, but anyway, I'm really a big fan of this and it's made my fast hair days really easy, which I love.
2: Mine is a body scrub that I've been using. Ooh, um, so I am a, um, I'm a big bather. I bathe morning and night, even if it's just for a couple of minutes. Sometimes there are other people, little children in the bathtub with me <laughs> but um, but I I do like to be nice and squeaky clean so I um, will usually use dial soap um, especially after in like flu season because it like just kills everything I'm like let's just disinfect <laughs> um, and I'll use that with a little bit and then I take um, a, the uh, sabon has a really nice scrub and I really like citrus blossom and I and I love it because it smells good and it feels like it exfoliates. And then also it has an oil in afterwards mm. that leaves you feeling super, super hydrated. So I get the germs off. <laughs> then I exfoliate yes. and hydrate.
1: I love a two-in-one yes, situation it's like that too. It's
2: super efficient and it smells really good, yeah. and it makes me feel like I'm like half a human being.
1: My moisturizing routine for my body definitely went out the window post kids. Like I still do a good job on my face, but I just but who that's has time why, to put the oil on and then wait for twenty minutes wait, before you put your why clothes this on. This one's a
2: really good one because then if you don't have time to moisturize afterwards, exactly. you've done it. Done. Exactly,
1: and then I put my robe on, mm-hmm. let it soak I always, in.
2: I always use a bathrobe to get out of the bath, like mm-hmm. if, you know the like the cloth ones. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much for listening to mombrain. Until next time, don't forget to email us mombrainpod at gmail.com, rate review, subscribe, and swipe up on Instagram because we always put our little website in there and you can just easily click on it. Bye. Thanks guys.
1: This is Mombrain with Alaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Mombrain is a gallery media group production.